Hello, all you Relay listeners. Uh, welcome to another episode of Group Chat. Today, it's myself, Laura, uh, Matt Chittum, Lindsay Hine, and Peter Bronca. Um, I think I'd like to just dive in with, um, have you guys seen the BAA uh, half start list? Because I have. And uh, woo, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. It's so funny because I was talking to Dom the other day on a run about like when the list came out and I was like, man, like, obviously you want competition and you want to be challenged and like you do these big races because they always assemble just an incredible field. But also like I haven't raced in like five months. And so part of my picking of the BA half, I was like, it's right in between all these fall marathons. It's right after like the 5k in New York. So like a lot of track people are going to go that way. Like I kind of thought it was just in between all these really big things. So I was like, it might be more of an open field, uh, than like in years past. And then the list came out and I was like, Oh dear God, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> fire. Straight fire. Straight fire. I just um, looked it up. I'm I'm scrolling through now. You have wow. to scroll a little bit to yeah. even get to the American record holder. Yeah, and then scroll a little bit further to get to me. <laughs> Is this in any particular order that they have the list? Is it time it's in, order? I think it's PR. Like it's like your okay. I think that's okay. Um, so nothing like starting with like a 64 minute half and then cool rolling down that list. That list so, is so fire. No, the, the woman's PR leader, I think, is faster than every male American sl- except for two. What's the time? Man, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. So pretty pumped for that. Three weeks. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. anyway, that was uh, I got motivated. So I, I had I crushed my workout Saturday and today I'm ready. Ready. <laughs> Are you traveling with McKenna? Because when I saw you in Chicago last year, that's who your buddy was. You guys were hanging out pre-race. Yes, that's who my buddy was in Twin Cities as well. Um, and so, yes, I'm excited to have her there. Lindsay will be there, which will be great. I haven't seen Kira since maybe the last time I was in Boston when I did the 10K like two years ago or a year and a half ago, I guess. Um and then Natasha. So yeah, I mean, the American field is great. Like the American field is even deeper than I thought originally it was going to be. Um, and then you pair that with just, yeah, straight fire international field. It's going to be mm-hmm. fun. So what How do you think about a half? Three- like, do you, um, is it like, as a pro, are you like game on from the start or are you like pick them off in the final 5k or I've always curious, like how people approach a half marathon. I mean, that's a great question, Peter, because the half is the distance. I feel like I don't, I, I have not figured it out yet. Um, and it's really frustrating. So I approach the half as a 10 K like that's, that's what it's like. It's too, yes. but that's like, yes. you're not running that much slower in the half. And so yeah. thank, uh, you. thank you. That's why Laura Thweed is on this call. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just like to say like, yeah, I read a lot of uh, ways that people write about the half marathon and I'm like, Nope, Nope. That's going to set you up for a whole lot of not going all gas. No, like no breaks. Um, I mean, it's a hard race. Like it's kind of it's like, very hard. it's just hard from the gun and you're just riding that line from the beginning. And the hope is that you can ride that line and then ride it just even closer. The last like 10, five, 10 K. But it's funny because I think I've talked about this before. Like my, 
one of my biggest goals before I can retire is to break 70. Like I just, it's, it haunts me. And I feel like every time I run a half, I hit 20 K and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to smash it. I'm going to run like 68 minutes. And then I get to the finish and it's like 70, 12. And you're like, wait, how am I doing the math so wrong? Or what is happening to me in the last K of this race where you're just like, it's just like whatever you have left, you're running on fumes. Um, so anyway, I can't retire till I break 70. So, uh, gotta, gotta tick that off maybe in Boston. That's the field to do it in my God. <laughs> like, I think you're going to have to, to like even be in it. So yeah, I'm looking at this course. Um, there's definitely, there's not no hills in the back half. Uh, it starts out <laughs> downhill. So that's conducive to getting out hot is all camp. Um, I love it though. There's like, you know, the conventional way to run a marathon, half marathon, is that's written for the masses um it's just like yes like step into it with um and save your bullets you know save your surges till late and it's like uh but what about when you want to stick with that pack that's going faster and they just seem so tempting um i don't think the masses have to worry about that but no, but like said, a pack. Said, like, you see, you see tips from the for the masses. It's like as, as someone who is knee deep in like that field, <laughs> not really something okay. I got to worry about. The mid, but like well, you're in mid pack. You're a mid pack runner. I was on, on the, the mid packer podcast. Pod. Make no uh, mistake, I'm more back to the pack. But yes. like there are packs at every pace that you want to s- jump in with, and you just want to like dream big because it's not like. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just a big fan of people who throw themselves on the fire and just go for it. I think there's always a hilarious, um, with people around our pace, there's always like this transitive thing where people like, you know, threshold pace, like about half marathon pace, like about how how fast you could run for an hour. And you're always like, but what about those of us who keep going after the hour? (laughs) And it's like, oh yeah, that last 10 minutes or eight minutes is nine minutes is going to be... It's going to be really horrible. Oh, it's so horrible. It's so hard. <laughs> let, it's me, <laughs> let me speak for the um, the runner at, at my pace and okay. say that not my pace now, but like when I was, I was trying to break 130 forever. I never did. And, Booyah. you know, but I was scared. I actually remember like years ago writing a blog post that said half marathons scare me. And I would always choose a marathon over a half marathon because even at that pace, trying to break 130, you're running like you're trying to run under seven minutes. Like I felt like I was 10K, like you were saying, so much harder and scarier than a marathon. And so I never signed up for half marathons. I never, I like always like scared myself out of like racing to my fullest potential because they scared me so much back in the day. So um, I think, I don't know at what pace that changes where you can't like race it so hard that like you feel like you're going on a 10K. I don't know where that change happens, but um, even at that pace, I felt like I had to go all out almost the entire time. And I think the half marathon just has a branding problem. Like, first of all, yeah. for anyone who's run a marathon, 12, you know, it's like 13.1 isn't really half. Like, it doesn't feel like half. It's not like spiritually. Oh. It's more like a third of a marathon in terms of like the kinds of like effort it takes to, to complete it. Mm. So like, like, not only is it like calling something half of something else, like isn't the best naming convention but also it doesn't even ring true when you're doing it so like I was, I, the the 
the Instagram algorithm has me pegged. It keeps feeding me this Tosh point. It's like Tosh 2.0 or like that guy's clip of talking about like the half marathon. He's like, if like, you ever see someone bragging about a half marathon, that person's full of shit. No one brags about reading half a book. Like no one. And he goes yeah, through these other things. I get fed that thing like five times a day. Like they got me down, but it's true. But like that marathon is a great race. It just needs a new name. It's a great like, race. Again, the 21K yeah, doesn't sound a whole lot better, but I think we need to have like some other, like the name Marathon obviously is fairly arbitrary, right? Like, yes, it's a place in Greece, but also like they ran to a place, could have been named something else. It could have been called like the other town in Greece that they ran from instead of where they ran to. So like, maybe call it something else. Maybe, hey, Lord Miller, maybe if you go sub 70, we can call it the Thweet. I don't know. We can come up with something else that we can name it. Yeah, that has a really nice ring to it. You're saying because your effort in the half marathon, you're going so hard that it's like way harder than half of the actual. No, marathon. I feel like I read. <laughs> I, I almost felt like the opposite because because like oh, no one who's running a marathon kiss the, if you if you run more than like one marathon, like you never feel like I'm at thirteen point one. I'm halfway there. You're like, yes, mathematically that uh, is true, but in terms of race effort, okay. mental stamina, the emotions of the race, like, no, no, no. You're like 15% there. I feel like it's closer to like, yeah, I feel like it's close. Like halfway in a marathon is like 16 miles. Yeah. <laughs> 15 or 16 for me is like the real half where yeah. like you really have to like, that's where it really, that grind really starts to hurt, but you're still pretty far from home. But that's when the race is really picking up. So I feel like, it's like 15 to 19. It's just like, you're like, why? Like, God, why? I feel like that's the real half of the marathon. I'm trying to write about the like, marathon, the 15 to 19. I'm, I've been calling it like the soft center of the marathon. Like, mm -hmm. that's right where it can all just like crater. Um, because, yeah, if you can make it to 19 and you're like, you, you still have something going, like, then it's all these tactics and mantras and yada. yada. But like 15 to 19... You can do a lot of damage and you're so far from the start that you, you've burned off all like your planning and your bottle and da, da, da. it's like, um, I mean, I've actually grabbed teammates of mine at 15 and been like, wait, 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 you know, um, not, <laughs> not get to yet. 19 before you like, you know, take the bull by its horns. Um, I don't know the soft center though. It, that kind of like connotes like some syrupy <laughs> like candy. Lava cake. Like I think like I, <laughs> yeah. it's, a little, it's, it's a little too delicious sounding. You're I might right. just be, Sounds way I just too might nice. just need my afternoon snack. Ooh. But like, I feel like it needs to be something a little more hardcore than like, Hey, the inside of a Caramello is like, you know, 15 to 19. <laughs> it's like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Speaking of Halloween coming up. Oh yeah. We're there. Oh man, it's going to be great. I've been, wait, speaking of candy as a total tangent, I've been really getting into all these different people who post these uh, registered dietitians who post photos of like, I forgot uh, how to bring calories. I forgot to bring calories to the trailhead. So I stopped at the corner store and I picked up some like sugary treats and this will work. And I'm like, nice. It, like if they say it's, it works. Peter, it does work. Before my double last week, <clears throat> I, um, I ate a bunch of watermelon Sour Patch Kids. It's like a handful mm. of those. It's the same thing. Sugar. That's sugar. what yeah, I'm looking sugar. for. Carbs. Yeah. And they're a lot cheaper sometimes than some of them. Matt posted a reel of, um, what was the what was the elf reel from this weekend? Um, didn't you repost that? It was all about like 
what are all the like the great things oh, that you consume yes, yes. Um, <laughs> as as a runner? You know, like as a to round out your diet, and it's just Elf just put yeah, it. It was, like, the, it was the it was the breakfast scene <laughs> syrup. <laughs> He's got like the pasta and the He's syrup like, like and the sprinkles and the, yeah, all that stuff. It's just like yeah, we we eat healthy. That's the key to our lifestyle. Um, well, I'm very excited for you, you Laura. When is the race again? I'm, um, uh, November 12th. So okay. it's oh, I thought it was sooner. From, no, it's like three weeks from yesterday. Mm. So. so what do your key workouts look like leading into the race? Um, I had a huge one on Saturday. I did like 11 miles, like just under half marathon pace. Um, yeah, it was like a half marathon simulation. I was like, whew. Uh, and then today I did like faster stuff on the track because you got to have wheels these days to race a half and a marathon. You can't get stagnant there. You can't just stay in marathon pace. You got to come out of it, or at least I do. Um, so yeah, trying to sharpen up now a little bit. <laughs> and how do you feel? I felt so good. Good. Um, yeah, Peter, I crushed Matt and Brian. So. Oh yeah, that's not what you didn't see. Oh, I would love to see this. Uh, I for I those listening. Brian Troy is like a huge fan of Relay. He like Aww. listens to everything and he always talks to me about What's it. What's up, He's Brian? For one fans. So he'll be really pumped that I just told everyone that I crushed it today <laughs> in the last mile. Yeah, I mean, Matt Meyer, who you also trained with, conveniently didn't post the video of you just blowing him to pieces. Uh, could we get some more videos? Like before. I was like, nice. I see what you did there. So I posted the one after. How, how, does, how does Brian like... <laughs> take it in those settings like if he beats you is he like yeah you know i'm just really into running and if you beat him is he like well i was a professional snowboarder so like this really isn't my thing <laughs> no he he took it well today um yeah we i was we, i was like racing him kind of and like i went so we were supposed to do like we had like uh like a two mile tempo and then we had a bunch of 400s and then we had a hard mile at the end but the first two laps were supposed to be like controlled and then we were supposed to go hard in the second two so after we were like closing out the second lap, I swung wide in lane two and I committed and I went around him and I just went and he went with me and he thought that I was like maxed out. And then we hit the last lap and I had one oh. more and I opened it up. But uh, yeah, it was great. So we were like, did you bring one of these? Oh, you didn't bring one more gear. Oh, I brought one more gear. Okay. I'll just <laughs> use this right now. He was like, he was like, there's no way he's like, cause we went through in like a 71 and he was like, there's no way you have another gear. And I was like, watch me. Yeah. <laughs> But like in my I, head, I was like, shit, do I have another gear? And I was like, well, you've committed. So you got to lean into it and like see what happens. But that's awesome. That was fun. Like, I will say this is like, <laughs> yeah, Brian, you know that really, I found that in the moments, I want to say this in the, so it doesn't come off as chauvinistic. When a woman on a track blows by me, like you, I know in that instant, like whether I'm ready to whether I can go or not. Like with other guys, you're like, I don't know. This is a workout. Like, um, but like when I've worked out with pro female runners, you're like, I'm getting dropped immediately. Like this is happening. <laughs> I am watching myself get dropped because you're like, it's just so clear. Cause you're like, well, I could go. No, no, very much cannot. Um, <laughs> my, my favorite moment of a track workout ever was involved that exact same scenario. But the person, the people who ran by me didn't know that was happening. So it was when like, I was like, I was at like my fittest ever. It was like mid twenties. I'm running with the Ron McDonald house track club out in Providence. We're like doing the Brown track. And this was, I, I normally work out in the mornings, but for some reason I was there in the afternoons this day and I was feeling really good. So my, my group is going all of a sudden getting like, it, 
feels like you feel like this rush of energy about to pass you on the right hand side. But it just but it sounded so different. It was these three people and they pass us just absolutely flying. It felt like I was getting passed like by horses like that. It was like a visceral <laughs> experience. I look over and it's Kim Smith, who's at the, like at the peak of her Olympic powers and her like two best friends just absolutely flying past us. And I was like, I was like doing like quarter mile repeats. Like I was going hard for me, like really hard. <laughs> and it was, it was like, I can't really describe the feeling except like, it didn't feel like I was getting passed by humans. It felt like I was getting passed by something completely yeah. different. Cool. Maybe centaurs. I don't know. Are they real? It felt like one of those kind Just of things. Flying. Creatures. <laughs> they were in flight. It's okay. <laughs> Don't feel bad. They were probably on their job. Yeah, it was their right. So, Laura, are you in a race like this where you know people in the field, you've known them for a long time, and it's a really like a really strong field like this? Do people who aren't traditionally teammates ever get together and say like, "Hey, do you want to work together for a certain amount of time?" Or is there any like pre-race situations where people can come together? with the idea like hey we can help each other out here like obviously we're still racing but there's no reason for us not to do something that's kind of a a win-win sort of scenario or or a strategy yeah i mean i feel like i've been in the sport long enough where yeah you've like made all these different connections over the years and so typically going to these races i know quite a few um women in the field and um so yeah i definitely think like I don't know. I think it depends, but a lot of times we'll kind of talk um, and you get an idea, a little bit of an idea of kind of what people are there to run, um, kind of like what they're using the race for, like how they're kind of preparing for it. Um, and that gives you a sense of like, okay, like this is kind of the pace they're going to go out on. So you do talk about that. So at least like in at the start and in those early miles, you can kind of gauge a little bit off one of another, off one another. Um, and then obviously in the second half, it's just kind of like who has it, who doesn't, but uh, yeah, I mean, we definitely talk about that stuff and, um, I think it's helpful to kind of get a sense of like, who are some of the people that could potentially be around you with similar goals to kind of give you an idea of like, just in those first few miles, kind of an idea of like, you know, where everyone's at, but, um, it just depends on the race. I think too, I don't necessarily do that in marathons. Um, it's just more of like, I go in that with my own race plan. Um, but in some of the shorter stuff, sometimes it is helpful to get an idea of like, you know, who's going to, who's kind of trying to do what. Um, but yeah, I think it just depends. And how do you, how do you plan out like a race strategy from a pacing perspective? Do you think like, like you just did a race simulator? Do you just kind of like take that time adjust for altitude and just say, all right, this is the time I'm going on. Do you kind of like amplify it? Like, all right, like this is my race simulator plus 5% case. Like I really have it that day, or maybe you downshift a little bit. Like how do you figure out exactly how you want to, exactly how you want to take it out? Yeah. I mean, I think for Boston, like it's not so much about time for me. Um, I think doing the workouts we did on Saturday, like the reason you do those simulations one is to kind of just get comfortable being uncomfortable in that, like just in that space, which is something I've struggled with like confidence wise. Um, and so you have an idea after something like that of like where you are fitness wise, which is like what I was really hoping to get from the 10 to have like a better idea of kind of like where things are at. Cause it's just so hard, I think to simulate that in training. Um, but I, I think that was a big confidence booster on Saturday for me to be like, okay, like I'm fit. 
I'm really strong. Like I'm getting all of these things back that I feel like I've kind of been missing some of these holes that I feel like I haven't quite been able to fill over the last like year and a half. Um, so I think I'm in pretty good shape. I think on the right day I'm in, I think I'm close to PR shape, but the goal for me at Boston is really not time-based. Like I really just want to go in and like race. Like I want to be competitive with the other Americans. I want to be competitive, like kind of up in that front pack if possible. Like, I just feel like for me, I've lost touch with just my confidence in racing and being confident enough in myself and like where my fitness is at to go and race the race. And so I think that's more of how I'm going into Boston. And I think if I do that, and again, like the stars kind of align on the day, I think I can be close to a, to a PR. I think that is kind of where my fitness is at right now, which is exciting. I haven't felt like that in a long time. Um, but yeah, more, it's more for just like, I just want to race. I want to be competitive. It's been a while since I felt like I've been competitive in a race. So how do you feel about out and back courses and turning around at a cone at five and a half miles? I hate it. <laughs> I hate out and back. I just wanted to get it, get you tear off that bandaid right now. Yeah, no, I don't love out and back. I don't like <laughs> out and back runs. I don't like out and back. Races. Oh, um, I'm like a big loop person. Um, I have this weird logic, which is completely incorrect. But I feel like when you run a loop, like the moment you leave the door, you're like getting closer to being done. <laughs> and out and back like you have to go all the way out and you're getting so much further and then you have to turn around and come back which I know it doesn't make any sense <laughs> in my mind I'm like no like a loop is like the minute I start like I'm closer to being like done <laughs> um, um but just to let you know there's another uh nine 180 at 10 just after 10 so Sorry, going into the 5k I'm just talking about trying to get confidence <laughs> I know but I'm just not, I got it Damn it, Peter. <laughs> your coach hired me to like get inside your head so that you can get past it. But ooh, um, wait, Peter, have you ever done that thing where you you like count? You know, like someone's going the other way, and you're kind of like, what? Like, how many seconds till I get to where they are? So I have a sense, you know. Um, I mean, that's the person I, I'm trying to I, catch. Yeah, I hate when you can like see where you have to go. Like I, Atlanta was like that, and you're just like, oh. oh. Like <laughs> I have to be over there. And like, you had those like sharp, like 90 degree turns, nothing disrupts your rhythm more than just having to like turn around a cone. Um, so yeah, no, I'm aware the course is uh, challenging. Um, but I feel like that's better for me than just like pancake flat, super fast. I feel like um, that's another reason I picked this half. Cause I was like, I think it plays more like what I believe my strengths to be. It's a grind. Like you're going to have to grind this baby. So that's the plan. But yeah, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> I can start just, just a quick check. Just go check. <laughs> my favorite thing though, is like when Laura says, um, I don't like out and back runs, like the facial expression Peter makes when you make like a definitive statement about like something you feel about running. He's like, it's like, he's like opening this gate to understanding you as a person a little bit more. Do you, do you all see that yeah. on Peter's face? He's I was like, just like, she doesn't only not like out and back races. Like, shouldn't even like out and back runs, you know? Screw those runs, you know? You're like a Pac-Man. Like, I've already gotten the points for where I came from. Uh, I would like to go somewhere else to get more points. And you're like... <laughs> yeah, talk about a terrible out and back. That that thing just grinds you down. It just, like the whole, especially because Mark would always have a start on the West End. 
So there's two ends, obviously. There's the east end, which is closer to Boulder. And then the west end is all the way up in Nederland. And west to east is harder because you have more like down on the way out from the west. So then you flip on the east end and then you have a harder coming back. And so that's how Mark had you do mags. And so um, I don't know if you guys know Morgan Pearson, but he's like one of my favorite people because he just his mindset is just, I love it so much. He's just like a killer. And he always jokes that like, if you do mags east to west, you didn't do the real mags. Like you have to do it west to east and then back because it's so much harder and it breaks you down in a different way. Like mags in general is hard, however you do it. But uh, that's always like the running joke at CU is like, if you don't start on the west end, did you really do oh it? Oh my so, so, so are people like constantly going on to like the Strava segments? Be like, wait, hold on. When you got that top 10, yeah. were you uh, doing it west to east or east to west? Because if not, we're going to put a little like There's Astravis no, asterisk. Like, oh, you did it the soft way. doesn't count. That'll be part of, uh, what is it? What are we calling the reality show in Boulder? Like, oh, yeah. Be like, you know, the caddy, call, caddy comments. <laughs> like, I heard she goes east to west. Yeah. yeah, like I heard, yeah, exactly. Just always like <laughs> that, that becomes a euphemism for all for all sorts of things. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, Mags is so hard, and it's but it's also so heralded and so revered and so like built up that then other people are like it's not all that it it's not all that's cracked up to be. And you're like, have you run it? Like I don't like what's your fitness? It's, that thing was ridiculous. I have done yeah, it once. Mags is hard no matter where your fitness is. Like that's what I've decided. It doesn't matter how fit you are. Like every run I've ever done at Mags challenges you. Um, can we just, for the people who have not read Running with the Buffaloes, can someone explain what Mags is? Because we might have people listening that are like, what are they talking what about? They talking about? <laughs> Magnolia Road is a dirt road here just outside of Boulder, Colorado. And it's like legendary because it was in the book Running with the Buffaloes, which was about, what was it, the 1998 uh, national team at CU? Um, anyway, so like it was, it's a big run because it's like, it's one of, uh, like Mark Wetmore's like secrets, so to speak, as far as like, um, just like how he trained his team. And it was like a big staple and it's basically like point to point. I think it's like seven and a half out and back. So it's like just under 15 miles, like total. Is and Peter, yeah. Peter is the biggest running dork oh in this God. group, right? Have we, have we confirmed that he has three, I have copies. My three copies of running with the Buffaloes. Um, he is the biggest dork in the group, right? We've all agreed on that. I mean, oh, sorry. Mine, my, mine's signed by the author. Signed? So this one's signed by Chris Lear, who... Um, do you have a yeah. Mark, Mark Wetmore signed copy as well? You know what Mark would do? This is what I heard. I don't actually like know this to be fact, but people told me that when people would send him that book to autograph it, he would oh, okay. throw it away. <laughs> oh, he is a... Uh, He's a tough guy. Yeah. He's a tough guy. So, yeah. Anyway, I don't know if that's true, but knowing Mark, I'm like, it might be. <laughs> it actually might be true. Like, do you want to donate this to charity? No. <laughs> no, don't send me a I will not. <laughs> really funny. Oh, man. Everyone should read this book. Uh, Chris was just a young guy who shadowed the team, and it just turned out to be one of the most, like, storybook memorable seasons in history uh, with all sorts of plot lines that are like you think, well, that's too incredible to be true. Um, this is the original version of the book, um, which just some backstory. This is great podcast. You're yeah. showing a book. Sorry, to I'm the video. showing a book. Um, well, 
we I have talked about my dad on this podcast too much, so I just want to do a quick aside, which is that we my dad and I read this edition, and then he got in touch with the author Chris Lear just to say, oh, by the way, I've read like all running books that have ever existed, and that is in my top three like preeminent books. And so then my dad is listed. You can't see this on the podcast, like. as a pull quote on the back of um, the like the subsequent second or third edition of the book, um, just as a guy, you know. Wow, your a, dad's a legend. Just as a guy, I know. So, amazing. But all I, I wish my son was as good of a writer as this guy, <laughs> Dennis Bronco. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Um, absolutely should we we should air that we did it you know before we went public oh yeah for all you know 230 people who were patreon subscribers however many there were um they got to listen to our book club with adam goucher and kara goucher who adam was on that team so maybe we should air that on a friday sometime we should if we're ever like low on like oh shoot this interview fell through. Like that's definitely gonna be like our go-to like space filler. It oh, was but so it's also good. It's it was really country good. season. It was yeah, it's so good. Yeah, oh, it's man. good enough. I don't even think I it know, needs to be filler. Is right around the corner. Tis the season. Um, yeah, talk about talk about getting out hard without concern for how your body's gonna react. No, no. Those, yeah, you just have to like, the first four hundred meters regardless and just hope for the best. Laura, I got a question for you about the, about the half. Excuse me. One of my theories last spring was that I wondered how many top runners were going to run a marathon in the fall, especially like New York and some of the and ones that are a little bit later in the fall, but really any major fall race, you know, with the eyes toward Orlando. And I was wondering if people were going to go hard after the half marathon records, right? The men and the women's, right? Obviously the women's was set this past, you know, I think it was in like late spring by Kira, but even then, like, you know, I, I was I envisioned people going hard after those goals and saving their marathon legs for February. What do you think were some of the reasons why maybe we didn't see that or why it was much more of like a traditional marathon season as opposed to people kind of saving their legs for Orlando? Um, I think it's a couple of things. I think a big thing was people wanted a confidence booster going into Atlanta. So I think for psychological reasons, especially people that maybe hadn't raced as many marathons or have kind of missed some marathons due to just injury or just up and down, like, I think there was a big push for people to just like jump in and and kind of like see where they're at. And kind of like, I mean, I did that in 2019 going into Atlanta. I felt like I needed a positive marathon experience. Um, if nothing else, like mentally just going into like what the trials is going to be. Um, and then I also do think like money is a part of it. Like you get paid at major marathons as an elite athlete, especially if you're one of the top, um, especially as an American in like a New York or a Chicago, there's big money there. Um, and there's obviously, you know, there's prize money at the trials, but you know, you're not, you're, you're not getting those appearance fees. So it's one more opportunity to make money before the end of the year. Um, and then like bonuses and contracts and things like that. Um, I think also play into kind of what races people choose to do. Um, so I think it was just kind of like a bunch of different factors as to why people opted to kind of jump into marathons. We obviously saw a ton of Americans, especially in Chicago, a few in Berlin. I think a few were also running New York, um, where, you know, they felt like that's the right route. Um, and it just depends who you are and how you can turn off of a marathon. I'm not, I mean, turning off of coming off of Chicago in 2019, going into Atlanta was like a tight turnaround for me. I typically need more space after marathons to reset, 
get into another block and then come back up. But it just it just depends who you are as an athlete and if you can do that turnaround. And sometimes people like that tight turnaround because they have that momentum coming off of their first marathon into second. Um, so I just you just have to kind of like weigh who you are, what gives you confidence, what you think your body can handle. Um, so yeah, I think there was just like a bunch of different reasons as to why people opted, more people opted to go the mar- marathon route versus not. Yeah. And just a reminder to everybody, the trials this year are basically four weeks earlier than in 2020. I also think the U.S. men, it's like, you know, they're like, I want to take on the extra credit question of a half marathon. The teacher's like, how about you focus on the main main assignment, which is getting the Olympic standard before you show up to the trials? And they're like, <laughs> okay, that- there is a, there's a, yeah, if you were an American man, looking at your fall. Like, I think there was, that was a huge reason as to why so many picked falls. Cause you don't want to go into the trials, not having that. Like, I mean, it's stressful. Uh, it's a crazy time. So yeah. Oh man. I felt like I read somewhere that Emma finished Chicago partially because of the payday of finishing the race. And I was like fantasizing that we could have had like a instantaneous GoFundMe that's like all the fans being like, we'll pay you to stop. If your foot is tight, we'll pay you to stop right now. Like, I would just, you know, like the fact she went to the ground, like right at the finish. You're like, no, that's like, yeah, that was a tough one. Like we were talking about that the other day with her and she was just like, you know, the smarter option would maybe have been to stop, but she was just like, there's so much on the line. Um, and at that point she obviously didn't know the severity of it. And so she felt like she could keep going. And she said a big part of finishing outside of just like, you know, money and things like that, like with the contract, but she said a lot of it too was psychological. And she felt like if she would have dropped out, like going into the trials, like that would have really messed with her. And so again, like in the moment, not knowing the severity of like where her foot was actually at, she like chose to keep going for like a number of different reasons. Um, but it's hard as an athlete because you have to make those split second decisions like in a race and really weigh it all. Um, and in the moment, like, of course, all of us are wired to like, well, I can finish. Like, of course I can finish. And then there's a lot riding on the line. Um, like the marathon's a tough event because typically you can't, you can do one or two a year, really. And like, those are big paydays or they can be. So there's just a lot like career wise riding on the line of those that you have to weigh. So I don't envy her, uh, having to make that decision. That's a really, really hard decision to make as an athlete. Um, so again, I, I feel like she believes she made the right one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard cause she's definitely a little banged up right now. What was the diagnosis? I, I obviously I saw her finish, but I didn't see the update. Yeah. So she, um, she's dealing with some really bad planner. Um, I don't know how much she has shared on Instagram. So I kind of want to like keep okay. um, her privacy, but, um, I, I, I just figured that I missed like the IG pro the IG post. I'm sorry, Lindsay. I, I'm just, I was gonna say, I'm assuming she tore her planner fascia based on how she fell over. I don't, I don't know. I've torn my planner fascia. Um, and oh. yeah, that's just what I assumed, but I have Gross. no idea. I haven't, I have not talked to her or seen anything about it so i'm yeah also she just was dealing with a little bit of that going into the race yeah um and then obviously racing on it and then like she said she stepped weird at one point yeah and I think that really irritated it um and so yeah i mean planner is it's no fun that and like achilles stuff those but are hopefully just- honestly like if she tore it and with like really good all the things like all the professionals going all in on her healing it 
maybe long-term it's better than it just like still nagging forever. Because once I tore mine on that foot, I never had another planner issue again. Now it took me like 10 weeks before I could run on it, but I'm also not a professional athlete, not getting all the help that she's going to be getting. So, um, yeah, maybe she can get it if that's what it even is. But when I tore my plantar fascia in 2015, I felt it happen and my foot was black and blue and swollen and I couldn't put bare weight on it for like three weeks. <laughs> yeah. How it was were really, you? When did this um, occur? I was on a treadmill. Um, I had been dealing with plantar fascia issues for a long time, like just nagging. And I was doing like a progression run and I was like, whoa. And I was probably running pretty fast for me. I was probably running like six thirties or something. And I just like, I stepped out and I was like, boom. And then I like tried to keep going. Why? To prove to myself that I could finish that mile. Anyway, I get off the treadmill. I go sit down. I take my shoe off and my foot is just like swelling. And then I'm like trying to, I go get, pick up my kids from the childcare at the YMCA and I'm like trying to hobble out. People are like, what is she doing? She's playing hurt, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing you were on a treadmill and you weren't doing the Laura Thweet, you know, out and back route. <laughs> right. Well, there's reason an out and back. The big loop. The big loop. <laughs> no, I was Wait, on a treadmill. Liz, were you having like soreness or pain like at all before that oh, happened? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had been having, having like, like nagging planner issues for a long time and yeah. I was just like it's kind of annoying too because I was really fit like I bet if I would have run a marathon that season I probably would have PR'd um but yeah it's that's a not a fun thing but again I've never had planner issues since okay yeah a little so. strength training a little build back better <laughs> here we go <laughs> I have really high arches though and I think that that contributes to my planner like woos woes is it woos or woes 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 i like woos though <laughs> it sounds worse it definitely puts a positive spin on it it's like just tore my planter <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's more fun that way yeah, it makes it sound less horrible <laughs> but you know what um i wrote a post about it back in the day like when i was still like blo a blogger i was a blogger uh, before I was a podcaster. Um, and by the way, some of my friends still introduced me. Oh, she's a running blog. That's what my, my neighbor here, she, whenever she introduces me to someone new, she calls me a running blogger. And I'm like, okay. that's okay. <laughs> My doctor does the same thing. I've been going to him literally since I was nine years old. It's nothing. And he's like, and even today, he's like, I suppose I had, I had a doctor's appointment today. He's like, so how's the blog going? I'm like, I never had a blog. Like, like I, just, I didn't even transition from a blog literally, into something else. Like I, I've never had a blog. Also, wait, you've been seeing this doctor since you were nine? Like, is that, is he a pediatrician? Like, he wasn't. But like, my, the pediatrician retired. So then like... I think that he like was kind of like a pediatrician slash general practitioner. Anyway, I think that's hysterical that you pick up the same doctor since you were not. I'm imagining you just like so much taller than the height chart. <laughs> it's just me. It's just me and a bunch of kids sitting little in like little tykes chairs in the, in the waiting room. You guys watch Friends? Is, is, is this of course we all watch Friends? For, for right? The episode where Ross still sees his pediatrician after like he and Rachel have had a baby. That's what I'm hearing Matt right now when he said that he's been seeing his doctor since he was nine. That's hilarious. Well, you can think of that as a man because as a woman, once you get to a certain age, you have to start going to like a gynecologist. True. 
So you men, you're just all still going to see your We're little babies. Children. We're basically little children. You guys will never know. Um, I also just want to disclaimer. This is not Listen, a... This guy gives out great... I give a nice lollipop on the way out. Hey, did you get it's your great. lolly today? This is not a slam on running bloggers, by the way, because like Janae, honey, hungry runner girl is like, she's been a running blogger for years. She like rode, rode it out when everybody stopped blogging. She just plowed on through and kept wow. on going and she still posts on her blog every single day. So every, every wow. day. And she can fly too. And she's a fast. Yeah, she's really fast. Um, but yeah, there's some running bloggers out there that they're doing their thing. They're legit. I'm just not a running blogger. That's not what I am. And oh, Matt man. has never been. <laughs> He's never done that. I have like a, a irrational. I'm aware that it's irrational, but uh, the word blog for me feels like nails on a chalkboard because I have blogged. To, maybe to no one's surprise, I blogged over the, the years back, you know, in the aughts and then into 2010, and then you know, over the last half decade, have started writing like long form essays that I like slave over for many hours and they're like oh yeah i read your blog and i'm like oh. it's an essay <laughs> yeah like i know it's like words matter you're cutting me down this big <laughs> yeah that six thousand word missive i just came up with in the morning and like cranked it out before lunch uh no thanks a lot yeah peter how come there's not more pictures in your blogs yeah i'm <laughs> some pictures with captions scroll fast <laughs> did you animate it uh, oh man can we can for the title of this episode can we get a picture of matt in a little kid's chair <laughs> be like matt checked out his health well now now that we have our social media manager <laughs> yes <laughs> look at this chitty the pirate here we go the for those who can't see matt has put on a pirate's hat um to the dog, he takes his kids in to the pediatrician, and he's like, "Can I just piggyback off?" The there? pirate hat always no, seemed man. very like, yeah. As you're proving, it's it's not particularly like utilitarian. It's like this weird. It doesn't block the sun exactly. It doesn't like disguise all that well. It just says like, "I'm a pirate. I'm going to rob you." I don't know. That's your problem with pirates? Their hats? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was saying, you know, if they wanted to improve, you know, like listen, the Zorro... pirates, you're great. No problems. <laughs> The raping, the pillaging, keep up the good work. The hats, though. Let's we got to talk about, about uniforms. Let's work on that. Let's do better. Guys, can we talk about our friends over at Believe in the Run who published the longest marathon-length preview of the New York City Marathon? Not for, like, preview of the pro racers or what the competition's going to be like. Just for those people participating. They had, I think, four of their contributors published on multi-thousand word breakdown every every iota of uh details that you might consider if you were going to be participating is this on their is this on their blog it's, it's not a an huge essay? blog yeah yeah oh. <laughs> not an essay well will they be offended that we call it a blog and now i mean as proof by like the arrow we're in this thing They've poured a ton of attention into it. It's awesome. And there's zero comments because, like, who even comments on blogs anymore? Give me a break. Like, get a lot. Nobody. Get over on social media and start a fire or something. Um, I-, <laughs> I sent this to uh, an athlete I'm coaching. He wrote back. He's like, I'm already exhausted. I haven't, like, um, preemptively exhausted by the race that I have yet to run. Um, but it covered everything from the fact that you need two breakfasts 
the, the fact that you, I mean, they're talking about basically moving your apartment worth of goods out to Staten Island, including everything they recommended throw away chargers, throw away shoes, throw away, um, like, yeah, phone chargers. Why do we uh, throw away phone chargers though? Like you, wait, how long are you out there before you yeah, start? Yeah, Laura, That's you don't know. Yeah, you, don't you know. don't know, Laura. This you got to speak in the last segment. Zip it. You, um, <laughs> <laughs> you're the problem. You don't um, know what us normals have to go through as a I mean, major my, marathon. My athlete had not put together the fact that his his ferry for Staten Island leaves at five thirty, and his start time is at nine ten. I mean, like you can know that, but if you internalize what that means for all the things you're going to be doing. Um, so yeah, like my favorite food, that yeah. I sent to the team pre, pre-recording was the recommendation of maybe buying an inner tube like you'd use to float a lazy river and just bringing it out with you, blowing it up and being the guy who doesn't have to sit on the ground with all of your friends who look at you like, hey, dude, like share your inner tube. What the hell? Not a bad um, idea. It's not a bad idea, but I just... The idea of like thousands of inner tubes laying around on Staten Island, like what are you, what? Um, before before I go to pick up my children at uh, at school, I do have to ask, who do you think would be more selfish about space in their spot? Rose from Titanic or inner tube guy <laughs> before the New York City Marathon? Um, yeah, I'm still mad at Rose. Same. I don't understand that was big enough for both of them. Every time what? I walk, get upset. I'm You've so heard about the deep about dives that. they've done on that, right? No. What did they say? Because there's James just Cameron poor choice has... of words, Peter. Deep dives, poor choice. <laughs> Do James... better. Oh no. <laughs> James Cameron has literally gone into a lab with scientists and modeled whether that headboard or whatever piece could of wood it was both? could have it... supported them both, and they've concluded it coulda. <laughs> well, yes. I'm like, come on. You really love each other that much? Get his butt on that board. I know. Or oh, if I were him, I would have at least t- tried to like swim to find another <laughs> board to lay on and then paddle over to I her. Saw a, I don't come across a lot of Titanic references these days, <laughs> but I came across one just the other day on Instagram reels of these guys being like, man, if only Leo knew about, you know, like cold plunges and like the Wim Hof method. And just like, <laughs> he wouldn't have frozen in the arctic waters because he would have just been like so it would have helped him you know recover from his life no i don't know Ooh, do you want to know a fun fact about titanic yes um i had my first kiss watching the titanic in eighth grade oh my god lens living the life oh wait wait in in the theater before the theater there's a lot of questions in the theater and now as a mom i'm like eighth grade one fifth Oh, that's three years from now. You're gonna have a, your first kiss in a movie theater. What, what scene does someone lean over? I don't no, remember. Kiss. That's a great question. I don't remember. I know because that's such a long movie. Because a if it's at movie. the beginning, and then are you just? I bet it was closer to the end. I read like, that the like the sinking in the movie lasted longer than like the actual sinking. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I just read an I Survived Titanic book with my kids, and I was like, oh, I don't want to read this. This is sad. But the, the person in the book survived. But That's Ugh, I can't imagine. I know. Oof. Man, we are, uh, we are in new depths 
<laughs> of this podcast. He did it again. Wait, what brought up Titanic? Oh, Matt did this and then he left. <laughs> yeah. Matt did Matt, this and then he left. Matt dropped what? it on us and then he went dark. Um, oh, Rose. the guy in the relatable. Yeah. I mean, just being like, sorry, guys, uh, I brought my own inner tube to Staten Island. <laughs> this is the person that is nudging people out of their way at the water stop, making sure that they have their special spot to get their water. Like, get out of my way. Those water stops. Yeah, they get contentious. Like, if you change pace at all, you get yelled at by some jerk Listen, but- Laura will never know the woos, and you probably won't either. Not the woes, the woos. Um, my strategy as someone who enters water stops in a big pack is I either hit it at the very beginning or wait till the very, very end of it. Okay. Waiting till the end is kind of scary because you might miss out. But just I do not get in the middle of that situation. You know what I mean? I think that's the safest way to do it. You know, I was remembering... I actually did have, I had so much fun running the New York City Marathon years ago that at halfway, I thought, I said to the guy next to me, like, oh man, it's already halfway over. Cause like we had had so much fun going through those boroughs um, so far, far. So yes, the difficulty, like from a sheer effort standpoint, um, it, it increased exponentially going up Fifth Avenue, mile 24. But uh, wait, did you jog the marathon? No, I was running very hard, and then I ran harder up Fifth Avenue and caught okay. all of these men who were coming flying back to me. Um, it is a, it's a doozy of a race. I was thinking we should do a. I kind of wanted to do a relay pod for those of you listening who didn't listen to a lot of our uh, content last year on Patreon. We would just put out like, just like as many episodes of about anything as we possibly wanted to, because it was just for this fixed audience of subscribers. So we did deep dives into CIM. Maybe we should relaunch some of these deep dives into Boston, where we just geeked out on every nuance of the course. And if we did one about New York, it would just be like, Ooh, that part's stuff. Ooh, that, that part's got to say something for that part. It's my favorite marathon that I've done. Oh yeah. Um, but it is so hard. Like yeah. my- it's so hard from 2021 for sure but i love it so much just like you were saying peter it's so awesome and like running through all the boroughs and like energy of the city and like that whole weekend but my god do you suffer did you even go in i mean maybe we'll do this in like a a week or so like the do you go in with like split expectations or more just like speed zones you're like no i new york is the one that like you're racing like i don't yeah I didn't look at my watch once either year that I did it. Um, yeah, you're just racing. Like I don't, time doesn't matter in New York um, to me at all. It's like not why I go there. That's I feel awesome. like all of the everyday runners need to listen to that too, though, because it's yeah. so true. I mean, you're, we're not racing like you're racing, but like, you just run it hard. Just like, run run it. And like in 20, so I debuted there, but then in 2021, I ran my, I still ran my second fastest marathon. Wow. In New York. So like, wow. I didn't go in yeah, any but it's time. Like so hard. I mean, yeah, but it was like, that's the thing. It's like New York can like weirdly be fast mm-hmm. depending on like how you've prepared and like, obviously how like the race unfolds or like your own strategy. Um, but it's so hard that like, I don't go in with a time goal, but I still ran one of my fastest marathons there. So it's, yeah. I mean, I feel my, when I ran it in 2019, same thing. It was like one of the best races I've ever had. We had good weather, 
But then last year was so hard. Oh, yeah, last year was a different year for sure. I couldn't but believe that was real. Um, I think in 2019 when I ran it and ran fast for me, like the um, crowds, I bet took five minutes off my time. And I just happened to feel good that day as well. The energy there like carries you in a different way. And I also feel like sometimes when you go in just kind of like racing the race itself or racing mm-hmm. the course itself, a lot of times I always find like time can come with that because you're just like kind of removing one of the like that pressure, I guess. Um, like you're almost like running more freely when you're not so fixated. And I feel like New York is such like an experience race. That, yeah. like, I would think if you were so fixated on your watch and like your splits, you'd almost be missing out mm. on some of like what's going on around you and like where you are. Like, I don't know. I think it's, I love it because it's a race that like more than anything, like just really puts you in the moment of what you're doing because you have to be like so focused in on that. I mean, I'm sure as a pro you have, there are moments where you're like, I want to go with this pack. And then that would lead also could lead you to you know, over revving or over going across the line. But I, I find a lot of amateurs, you know, you get coming down mile 16, you're on first Avenue. It's you're out of your mind with excitement. And then you hit mile 17, 18, 19. And I'm sure that a lot of amateurs who are going for some time goal, you know, look down at their watch and go like, I'm not moving fast enough. I got to speed up now, even though they have a 10 miles to go and it's only going to get harder. And it's kind of like, uh, just run those miles with whatever feels, you know, feels actually right inside of your body, not what your watch is telling you. Yeah, definitely. It's a race of like listening to like your own, like listening to yourself and like being in tune with how you feel. It's definitely a race yeah. like that. Um, but oh, yeah, I'm so excited. You're going to be there, Peter. Yeah, I just uh, bought tickets. I decided, like, got can't miss it. Got to gotta be out there. So it's going to be super fun. So excited. Yeah. I think I'm going to mm. plan out a totally irrational uh, cheering, you know, plan that brings me all the way from, like, Brooklyn to Queens to the Bronx to Manhattan or something. <laughs> I don't Are know. Are you going to do this by yourself or will you have a posse with you? Um, I'm going to jump in with a bunch of different people. I haven't planned it all out yet, but I would hope to – I just want to get to so many places. And then – um, I had just come across, oh, I wish I knew the name of the Instagram. There's a whole Instagram account that doesn't have that many followers. That's all about the party that they throw in the evening at the finish line for, you know, oh, like the yeah. eight hour finisher. So they're like, go do your thing and then come back at like 745 or 645. Yes. Um, and welcome the people across the line, which just sounds awesome. I want to go just that. to do that. I want to yeah, miss same. the whole race and just fly in later in the day and do that with you. Lens, let's do that. We'll just let's fly do that. in for like the finish line celebration with all those people. That would be amazing. That's the stuff I love about our sport. Like that's what I just love it so much. The community. It's... my spouse to be like, yeah, just go do that. Just go party. Uh, <laughs> go party on the green. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I, I had heard from some people that it can be a little bit nervous anxiety inducing to be at the back of the race as they're breaking mm. down some tables and you're oh, like, I'm working hard be. here. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I'm, I'm intrigued by some of those possibilities. Like I've always seen these posts about, you know, people who've mm-hmm. really been out there on a journey and they're like, this might be their first marathon and they're really getting after it. And it's just like super exciting at the end. I love that. Yeah. I love seeing those posts about that group every single year. Yeah, you know they, they put in a lot of work. 
Yeah, it's pretty so exciting. Much work. Like, yeah, I love it. It's very motivating for me to see that. And I think that's why the marathon's so cool because you're really like all out there together, regardless of like where you're starting, like you're all on that same kind of journey and like you understand what it takes to get there and then to like complete the 26.2. So it's, yeah, it's cool. Well, and if you listen to um, Bridget Chamberlain on Matt's podcast, she her first marathon was like six and a half hours, and then she just ran a three twenty five, and oh, she's like, I love that. "Yeah, she's like the six and a half was way harder, like so much harder." Wow. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, it's always fun. There's everything about those big races. They want to shuttle you away from the finish and get all the people, you yeah, know, move uptown, move away. Um, but if yeah, doubling back is always you leave the and best. you come back. And that's another thing you don't know about Laura is us normals. When we finish the New York City Marathon, we get corralled for like nine miles. We just have to like walk like zombies with these like heat blankets and we're all chafed and we got to go to the bathroom. That's like the hardest part. Like people have told me like how far they've had to walk after New York. And I think back to 2021 and I'm like, I literally couldn't walk. Like my practitioner was at the finish line and he had to carry me to like the tent, but then <laughs> they come and pick you up. Oh, no, is it that sweet? I know everyone's like, shut up. Um, so then I heard about like how far people actually have to walk, and I'm like, my god, again, it's so insane. Much respect. I can't even imagine having to walk that far after you've run a marathon, let alone a marathon like New York. Like, yeah, oh, man. that's brutal. Yeah, we know I've I've got to witness your blue line lounge situation. I've got to witness and once you've witnessed it, you're like, how do I ever do a race without it again? Now I've never done a race with it, but I've like been a spectator in it. And you know, in Chicago, there's always a lot of people in their VIP lounge. I don't know how much you have to pay for that, but now that I've done it as a spectator, you I'm like totally worth it. <laughs> I'm like a thousand dollars? Okay, great. You know, like <laughs> the food is amazing. Like it's right there. I don't know what these people are paying, but it might be worth it. You know how every year the New York Roadrunners, they bring some prospective athletes who like might be moving up to the marathon. Um, I'm, now I'm blanking on who mm. this was, but I remember finishing New York and going over to the side and there was some pros that I knew who they were and they had yet to run a marathon. And I'm just like, me and my friends are just like, hobbling and i now i wish i could remember who it was i yelled out like you should definitely run a marathon man this is super great you know <laughs> like we're just like oh can barely you're gonna love it you're gonna love it it's so great you're like can jenny... you bring me out a plate of food from that lounge <laughs> yeah yeah jenny simpson was i think one year she was either in like the lead car or again she was like there for marathon weekend and like got to see a lot of it and i remember she said after she was like Honestly, that made me not want to run one. <laughs> yeah. Like I saw too much and I'll like, saw the agony. Yeah. But is Jenny doing the trials? She's doing the trials, isn't she? Yeah, I believe so. I think that was announced like a couple months ago that she was so exciting. She had a great run at um the 10K in Boston, like what, two or three weeks ago? She was third, I think. I, here's so. what I'm gonna die is if um she like makes the team. And the media outlets like Molly Seidel her and they're like, yeah, you know, she's never run a marathon before. Just discovering. Like she's not a legend in the sport. <laughs> exactly. Like she's brand new. Just she's picking just up a new some runner. Shoes. <laughs> Got a new sponsor and a new event. Here we go. Um, oh, yep. man. Exciting. 
Oh, all right. Wow. I can't wait for all it. Right, well, so maybe we'll do a deep dive on the New York City Marathon. I think That'd we be should. Fun. That'd be fun. I feel like Mike Let's... and Tommy have a lot, a lot of ideas about how to optimize the weekend. Um, so maybe we get them on here. We should. I wonder if Jenny Simpson would come on for our chat with a pro. That would be fun. That would be fun. That would be really fun. We should. We're, we're going to try. We'll try. We can play all some. Right, friends. We can set up some like game show. Like which. Which element of the marathon are you least excited about? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do when the media calls you a new runner? Yeah, <laughs> here we go. All right, friends. Awesome, thanks friends. for being here. Yeah. Good times.